Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, our guest today, campaigning to get Leatherface hashtag canceled on Twitter, it's uh, it's Hunter Heilman. Listen, the line from that movie was try anything and you're canceled. That would imply that this movie tried to do anything. Uh, canceled if he doesn't do that. So got kind of an unusual episode today. I was like a, a couple days ago, probably like was not sure what was going to cover this week. Was like, I don't know, maybe they'll do some. I'll do something on Shannon Tatum because he's got that that movie where he takes care of the dog. Uncharted will probably make some money. Maybe maybe we can talk about that. Then I saw Uncharted and then was like, I don't know that I really have anything to say about this movie. Um, and I didn't conversa- see it. And I love video games. I almost like I really have become a video game person. I refuse. I'm like, no, it's it's a like perfect example of a like movie that just sort of exists. Yeah. And that's like the thing. It's like Uncharted has so many cool action like set pieces in the games spread throughout all like five of them at four and a half, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. if you count like Lost Legacy. Sorry about that. Um, But like I knew we were in for some shit when Tom Holland was cast because I was like, OK, so this is the movie we're making. Cool. I know exactly. Isn't the it vibe. like an older dude in his 40s yes. or something? OK, yeah. Okay. So he's I don't like I don't play the game. So, but even I was a little like when Nathan, that happened. Nathan Drake's in his like mid 30s and um, Sully, who is Mark Wahlberg's character, is fully gray. It's like an old man. So, like, I knew when Tom Holland was cast, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, they're doing young Nathan Drake because they want to make this into, like, they want to milk this for as long as possible. And then Mark Wahlberg got cast. And that, I mean, if Tom Holland didn't make me uninterested in it, Mark Wahlberg immediately made me uninterested in it. I was like, okay, cool. So they don't give a fuck here. They're just trying to make something. There is something to be said about how mark Wahlberg's character in the movie only literally cares about money and at at some point it just kind of the the lines of that character just kind of become mark Wahlberg talking about like i'm really only here to get a paycheck and his investment in getting the the treasure is mark Wahlberg's investment on getting that check at the end of the movie and that's not uncharacteristic i just know exactly how it's going to be played and i just knew i was like okay sony's being so like sony like playstation side sony and sony pictures are two very different like two very different entities and it was very clear from the very start where i was like oh sony pictures is sony picturing hard here as opposed to playstation which i think is really starting to lean in more to like creative freedom and cool shit so um i will say as someone who does prefer Tomb Raider to Uncharted, I am very smug this weekend. Sure, it made more money, but like, at least Alicia Vikander's was better, and that one's also still getting a sequel too. I'm sure Uncharted will get a sequel that I will also never see. Yes. Well, so. we can forget about Uncharted because there's probably literally nothing else to say. Um, but the movie we are going to discuss is the... The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, not the awesome horror movie from the 1970s. 
it's no the new not the sequel. pretty good movie from the from 2003 um no not texas chainsaw um we want to make sure that we're di- that not the 2013 3d reboot no this is texas chainsaw massacre not the texas chainsaw massacre or the texas chainsaw massacre or texas chainsaw or it's not, le- <laughs> it's not Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, nor is it Leatherface, which was the sequel to Texas Chainsaw, which in turn was the 3D reboot to the original, which ignored all of the sequels and um, presented itself as the true sequel, which Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is the one we're talking about today, presents itself as the true sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the same way that Texas Chainsaw presents itself as that there's a lot of timelines here there, i was just about to say can can we get the the hunter howman horror expert explanation of this franchise because this this is like i wasn't even going to do like what i did when the new halloween movie came out and was like i'm gonna watch all of these or something like i i love the original which is what year is that is that's like 74 or something yes. like that yeah um, 74 i don't know about you i it's like one of the scariest movies it's so good i mean there's, like there's something about that's just not how a take, unhinged though. yeah i mean it, 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 it there's something about how unhinged that movie is and even though like the infamous like there's there's no gore in it but there's just sort of like all the violence is sort of implied yeah. but yet it just has this like crazy off the rails energy and there's like nothing well, explained about it nasty. it's nasty yeah yeah it's got a nasty vibe to it where it's like i don't need to see the gore because i feel fucking grossed out off like from the get yeah and um, and just something about like there are evil people who like lurk out in like yeah. the the middle of nowhere and will are just into like horrid horrible shit for no yeah. explicable reason um, that's like the scariest thing in the world to me, which it's, is probably why that movie is really upsetting. I mean, like, yeah, I think that taps into a lot of people's fears, particularly like y- you also have to remember this was like right around like kind of near the end of Vietnam. It's kind right. of post hippie movement and the early seventies were a really good time for like gritty, nasty horror. Um, right. This is when like Wes Craven did like last last house on the left and like that's a nasty ass fucking movie too it's not really the most violent movie in the world but it is nasty and that everyone and it's horrible it's just this like really just down and dirty like thriller it's got you know it's you know and i think it 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 played into a lot of fears of both kind of like suburban america of like you know both in the sense of like this is what your kids are doing but also like don't go too far outside the city or outside your neighborhood or you're gonna get fucked up by these like inbred hicks so it was this like really interesting time for for horror and you find a lot of the nastiest movies to be like a lot of these people's first works which is where you get Wes Craven and Toby Hooper and all of these other people who kind of came around in that period um, I mean, even continuing into the 70s with like, you know, with Wes Craven continuing with like the Hills Have Eyes, it's very yeah. similar, very similar vibes in terms of like the types of fears that they prey on. I think the Hills Have Eyes owes a lot to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I don't think it's necessarily as successful, but I do think it's like 
it, it, it plays off of that. I mean, granted. It's kind of a cousin. It's it's sort of like so a similar many. idea. of The like, idea that, like, something is inspired by Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, is like, yeah, no shit, everything is. Like, right. even, like, you think of, like, and even, I mean, I would argue that outside of there's been a there have been a many many things inspired by texas chainsaw massacre in recent years that are better than what texas chainsaw massacre has become even like what's that what's that a24 movie that's coming out x, x or something which like i'm so that... excited for that and i'm so mad because uh it's premiering at south by southwest which i'm covering but it's only in person they're oh. like you, you gotta come to texas for this and i'm like you can eat my ass fuck you so that none of a24 stuff is are they they're letting do virtual nor is lionsgate giving us um the unbearable weight of massive talent either they're like you got to be in texas and i'm like you can suck it i'm not going down there at least those both seem like they're at least like coming out shortly after very that, quickly that yeah i mean they already have poster i mean i went i finally went back to the movies yesterday and saw jackass and they already had x posters up in the lobby so i was like yeah. okay i won't be the first to see it but like it'll be fun um so what's what's kind of your opinion on like Texas Chainsaw as as the a franchise. horror franchise? Because I think before this one, I'd only seen the original, and randomly as a teenager, like spending the night at a friend's house, we watched the 2006 prequel to the remake. Yeah. Which um, I remember being uh, unlike the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> very 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 insanely gory and yes. pretty that uh nihilistic bitch. yeah that um, ending is 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 a lot and kind of hating it and then before watching this new one on netflix i watched the the 2003 remake that you mentioned that michael bay produced which i think is like a really a cottage gr- industry of michael bay remakes yeah i mean because this is the one that kind of kicks off that trend, right? Because th- it comes out and it's yes. a huge, huge hit in the early 2000s. I think it looks really cool. It maybe like does not. It's a weird thing of like the thing that I think is good about it is also sort of what holds it back to me of like mm-hmm. it's it's almost like. there There's such great production design and like gross, grimy s- style to it, but also mm-hmm there it doesn't have quite the like insane dangerous anarchy of the original because it almost feels a little too overproduced and a little too fussed over and stylish in sections of like trying to get it's like it's trying to get lightning to strike twice right and it's like yeah texas chainsaw massacre lightning struck and this is more like you have like it's like artificial lightning it's still yeah. lightning. It'll still shock the shit out of you, but like it's not coming from the sky. Out of it's nowhere. like a movie that's like we have the money now to have a climax where Jessica yes. Biel faces off against Leatherface and like and a like, giant. And like we can factory. show them doing all of this nasty ass shit to these like t- you know not teenagers right. but like young adults. You know we don't have to cut away. We don't have to like make it this thing of like whether it be for censorship issues or i i mean granted it was all because of budget let's be real here right because texas chainsaw massacre the original was still banned in so many fucking countries so like it didn't really matter i love the um, story about how they when they tried to cut it for the uk i think this is, this is a story that like film critic mark kermode shares a lot of 
the the censors in the UK when they were trying to ban it, no matter what they took out of the movie, like it was still it's scary. And so it's and, just tone. Yeah. It's so heavy and it's a heavy movie that like I think a lot of movies kind of following it that are considered more like classics, you know, like the Jasons, the Freddies, all that. They just don't have that oppressiveness to it where you're just like, God damn, like this is bleak, man. Like she gets away at the end, but at what cost? Like, you know, and that's so- another weird thing about the the remake is like the the original is like survive like get get away by like the 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 remake is like overcome and it's like you can't overcome right right things if you can't even call them people but yeah so and and i also watched uh just because i'm curious if you've seen this one the the like one from the 90s i've seen all of them okay yeah Yeah, i I watched the matthew mcconaughey i haven't uh, seen him in a long time but i do i i honestly this new one honestly makes me kind of want to go back and watch all of them again because i need to truly know where everything stands at this point but yeah so so give us give us your whole franchise thoughts because i guess i a long-winded way of me saying like i've only seen maybe about like half of them but it's never been a franchise it, it it sounds like as a franchise it's kind of a mess so like it's never been one of those horror series where i was like i don't know i'll see all of yeah. them and it'll be interesting to see the yeah. evolution and da, 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 da. yeah um it's hard to call it an evolution really because it, it is so all over the place because you have texas chainsaw mass the texas chainsaw massacre which obviously we've talked about it's classic not much more to be said on that that has been said a million times before then there's the texas chainsaw massacre 2 which also is directed by Toby Hooper. Um, it's, if I'm correct, 12 years later. It's 1986. So this was after after he direct, directed Poltergeist. Um, and uh, so Texas Chainsaw 2 is interesting. Isn't it like a comedy? It like is. It's like it's way more cartoony and over the, the top. Original. It's a satire of the original, and it's a satire of like what horror had become by that point because mm-hmm. of what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. So it's kind of like, it's a little up its own ass in the sense of like, Toby Hooper very much so realizes what he has done for the horror genre, but also it's kind of a flex as well where I'm just like, yeah, but you did do that though, so you're allowed to say it. Like you're allowed to like fuck around and like and and kind of you know play around with this this monster that you created. And so what what you're saying is it's basically it's, it's the Matrix. Uh, it is the Matrix resurrections of-, <laughs> of horror films. It really is. And like I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember being. I remember like when I was younger, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And now looking back at it, I'm like. He was really on to something with that. It's not the same. Don't like that. That's the thing. It's hard to really call it a sequel. It's hard to really say that it's like a proper follow up because it is doing something so incredibly different. I mean, you can tell from the fucking poster. It's a complete like it's it's the Breakfast Club poster, but with all of the like <laughs> right. family members. So it, it it's very interesting. Dennis Hopper is like the main is like the lead oh. in it. It's like very. Yeah, it's very strange. But like it has this it has this kind of more fun vibe to it. And like that has its value, but it also is not is also at the same time not what I felt watching the first one. But 
it's also not what it was trying to do. So like, I think it was successful in what it was trying to do. Do I completely understand that? No, but also like, it's kind of like, it's new. It still feels like, I don't feel like anything is anyone has done that with a horror film since, even Mm. if I don't think it's like the best. Then there's Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which was 1990. Uh, One of the film debuts of Viggo Mortensen, actually. Oh, Yeah, Vigo's in it. Um, It's... This one attempts to be more like the original. It tries to recreate the more kind of straightforward horror tone of it, and in turn, it's kind of a little boring. Oh. It's kind of not... Like, it's not... It's not, like, offensively bad. It's just kind of like... Oh, okay, so this is kind of what Toby Hooper made Texas Chainsaw 2 to avoid what a studio would do to Texas Chainsaw 2. Because this was the first one that was picked up by... This was when the franchise was bought by New Line Cinema. So it was Mm. the first studio, like, Texas Chainsaw film. Um, And it kind of feels like that a little bit. It's not not offensively bad. It's just kind of like, ah. there we there it is there's that there's that like lesser horror sequel we've been waiting for or we've been expecting um and then there's texas chainsaw massacre the next generation the one from if i'm correct it's 90 it's either 93 or 94 i don't know off the top of my head but obviously film debut of renee zellweger and matthew mcconaughey two future oscar winners and i mean multiple oscar winners well not matthew but maybe one day um yeah he's won an oscar yeah he has no i mean oh. like a second one I, oh, a, oh um, yeah maybe when he start stops doing <laughs> that like really the the he's got that commercial where he's the astronaut now that i just kept seeing through the olympics and the super bowl recently that yeah, this is why i don't watch cable yeah it's uh don't have to press on it i thought it was inspiring when i first watched it and then the I saw it like 800 more times and now I'll probably going to like flip a table over if I ever see it again. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people, it is split down the middle when it came out, everyone fucking hated it. It's the lowest rated one on IMDb. I mean, everyone fucking hated it and I get it. I do. There it is kind of sucks to be honest. It like when sucks, I watch, <laughs> but there's a sick fucking part of me that I'm like, this is kind of it's, it doesn't do something for me, but I kind of respect it in the sense of, like, it's a little bit more like Texas Chainsaw 2, where I'm like, at least y'all are doing something a little wild. It kind of sucks shit, but at least you're doing it. And, it like, is, I don't know if I can say that. It at least is a weird object for having two, it's for so being, weird. like, a really trash, like, of the trashiest, like, lowest grade kind of, like, 90s horror movie you could yeah. imagine, but has, like, two insanely famous people yeah and i mean like that in and of itself i think has kind of made it i don't i think without that no one would talk about it no but there's a little part of me where i'm like this is kind of this is kind of wild like it's not it it could be i wish it was wilder i wish it like like leaned into that just a little bit more but like i don't think it's the worst in the series that comes later oh wow um i mean it i would rather see that again than this most recent one so then there's the 2003 remake which i think is the absolute closest thing to a like a a good a real i mean a really good true texas chainsaw film 
since mm-hmm. the original. And I mean, granted, again, I do think two is good. It's just not the same. It's not trying to do the same. It's not trying to do the same thing. This is the first one that I think captures that tone the best. Do mm-hmm. I think it's entirely successful? Not necessarily, but I think it is hands down the best one other than the original. I think it has a really good cast to it. I think it is really is surprisingly well directed. Marcus Mispel directed it. He ended up directing yeah. the Friday the 13th remake as well. Um, I think he does a better job at this one, but I also don't actually hate the Friday the 13th remake either. Um, and that was also another uh, Michael Bay produced horror or remake. Um, but I really, I, I really enjoy that one. I have, a, I have a soft spot for it. It was also, I, if I'm correct, I saw that one before I saw the original because I was a child of the early 2000s. So like mm. that was the one at, of the time. Then there's Texas Gentile Massacre at the beginning, which you spoke on a little bit before that you kind of hated it. I don't mind it. I don't okay. think it's, I, well, because I think I, I take it in line so much with the remake and i Mm. since i have a soft spot for that remake i have a soft spot for the beginning i also just like how i i love a nihilistic horror movie i love a movie where it's just like no one gets out alive no one even had a fucking chance to get out alive there's not a fight to really be had here Mm -hmm. and it's just i mean it's a lot. It's oppressive, but like that's kind of what I want from a movie like this. Is it good or memorable? That jury's out on that, but I enjoy it. Okay, and then uh, seven years later, there is um, oh god, I promise I wouldn't cry. Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, so that one. Uh, tries to position itself as the first true sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where it's like, we're fuck all those other ones. It was kind of, it was kind of Halloween 2018 before Halloween 2018. Oh, Halloween 2018 uh-huh. did, but it, um, it was made at the height of the 3D craze. So obviously, there's a ton of fucking chainsaws in your face and all that. It's a whole thing. It sucks. Um, okay. it sucks shit actually. Um, Alexander Daddario's in it and Scott Eastwood, which is kind of like, oh. Well, huh. at least y'all became something, I guess. Um, I was like, God damn, Clint Eastwood's son, you are down bad. But then he got better. I was like, okay, within within two years, he was in Taylor Swift music videos. So I was like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, like you're you're getting out. But in 3D, it's kinda a little fun. And there is this like Okay, I don't know how to have you seen Texas Chainsaw 3D? No, this is one of the ones that I've not seen. Okay, so so I have to to set the scene. I have to tell the story. There is a scene near the end of this movie where Alexander Daddario, after the whole fucking thing, finds out somehow in the grand lineage of things, I haven't seen it forever, so I can't 100% explain it, but she finds out that um, Leatherface is technically speaking her cousin. Okay. And there's and there's a whole subplot with a corrupt police force who doesn't like Alexander Daddario's family, so they're trying to kill. Because they're the cannibal people, that seems reasonable. (laughs) But she's like she like inherited this house from her grandmother, and like Leatherface is living underneath it, and like it's this whole thing. Marilyn Burns plays her grandmother, like it was her last film role, and I was like, ugh, like thank God you didn't have to see this new movie, but also, bitch, you were in that old one too, so and like she literally leaves her the house and literally in the will it's like 
take care of the boy of Leatherface pretty much. Like he just needs some love. And because of this police force who's trying to take down Leatherface, who also, please keep in mind, killed all of her fucking friends and her boyfriend. Um is now fighting alongside him. And there is a scene where they finally gain the upper hand and she throws the chainsaw to him like a, and says, do your thing. Cause, and what? there, I need to send you the link to this. It's the funniest fucking thing. I'm going to look seen. this up on YouTube. Like, as oh soon as my we get done God. With this. Oh my God. It's so good. There's like a million and a half cuts of it. It's so funny. And then at the end of the movie, it literally, it's just like, she starts taking care of Leatherface and he lives in the basement it's a wild it's a wild movie you really should watch it because it is next level bad but also like there's this again it's kind of like next generation where i'm like there's a wildness to this of like someone wrote this and it went through drafts and it went through multiple writers and it went to a director and it went to multiple studios like millennium and lionsgate funded this and it made it through a script supervisor to set through the actors onto camera through the edit to the film and they were like no one once was like do you think we shouldn't do that (laughs) they're like no let's do it this is fabulous let's uh, this is awesome it's 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 so Oh God! Oh, um, Alexander Daddario's boyfriend in the movie is also played by Trey Songs. Um, so if that really like puts anything else in perspective, there's a lot going on here. There's also a, there's also a scene where Alexander Daddario is getting chased by Leatherface in a carnival, and she hops onto a um she hops onto a ferris wheel to escape him but she's hanging from the ferris wheel and then is somehow surprised and horrified to find out that the ferris wheel goes back down and he's just waiting for her on the other side and she's fucking shocked and appalled i'm like do you not know how this works? Oh, a ferris wheel works it's so bad i love it but uh, like that's so like that's the and, and I, this this story has already gotten crazy because you know in thinking about like who the rights are bouncing between at this point of like you mentioning like new line gets it for a bit. And then what's Michael Bay's company, platinum dunes. Yeah. So that what it's called gets it. And then now it's, so it goes from independent to the Canon group to new line cinema. And then Michael Bay gets the production rights, but still has to produce them at new line cinema. And then it bounces to Lionsgate and millennium films. And now it bounced to legendary who in turn sold it to Netflix um so yeah and so the next one after that is a direct prequel to texas chainsaw 3d which is called leatherface which is directed actually by julian mori and alexander bastillo who are really great um like new french extremity directors they directed inside which is one of the best like nfe films ever um it's kind of just boring also there's not that much that goes on with it it's young leatherface it's the story of the family um Lily See, Taylor's in it. We, She's fun. We don't need. We that. don't. That's like like this. No. Uh, this goes back to like one of the things that's so scary about the original is just like who are these people? Yeah, it's just it's like not explained. It's just like, yeah, yeah. It's not a bad movie. It's so much better than Texas Chainsaw 3D. And the term in terms of that, Lionsgate and Millennium also produced this one, but this one really only got a VOD release, which in which is kind of surprising not in the sense of like i get that maybe they didn't want to put it out there but in terms of of those two movies which one gave off the more vod vibe and which one gave off the theatrical vibe i would absolutely say leatherface is the better movie 
Hmm. And then that leads us to this, which in turn is another rebooted series, which has like positions itself as the true sequel, the one that like that follows the original. So right. that post that's here at Netflix slash Legendary Pictures, uh, ones that is also produced by Fede Alvarez, who did Evil Dead and Don't Breathe and and all that. So um yeah and god where how how do we poke at this bear because this this is this is should we start with the production how this movie was fucking shot yes because my my intro was just going to be a joke of uh a few weeks ago i went and saw moonfall with daniel feingold who was on the the show last week and both of us walked out and we were like well don't know where we're gonna see a worse movie this year than that. And then one week later, bitch. One, one week, week later, later Leatherface came and was week. like, "Hold my beer." Yeah, yeah. Like Rowan Emmerich is sighing with relief right now. Of like, thank God. Um. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with this. So Legendary Pictures picks up the rights to this, um, to this film, and like it's kind of like a turning point. Millennium loses the rights. They had a plan for five more Texas Chainsaw movies. Millennium does, but they didn't make a new one in time and they lost the rights, et cetera, et cetera. It's how things work. Um, and so legendary picks it up and legendary, like, obviously, I mean, they're a respected brand. They have a lot under their, under their like tenure. They have a lot of Christopher Nolan films. They obviously just released dune which was one of the most highly respected films of last year one of the most successful movies to come out uh since the covid pandemic and it has 10 fucking oscar nominations it's like wow that is a success in every sense of the word um off the bat um so they're shooting the movie in bulgaria which is actually which which is what i would think of for alternative texas locations Yeah, but also it's not the first Texas Chainsaw movie to shoot in Bulgaria. Leatherface also shot in Bulgaria. And I actually don't think that's the problem. I think it looked fine in terms of, like, the Texasness of it all. Right. But, um, so they're about, uh, I think it's like a week and a half into production. And, um, they, Andy and Ryan Toehill are directing it. They, I can't, honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember what they've directed before. It was was an indie, an indie horror film. You know how it goes. You direct an indie horror film and they give you a fucking franchise. Right. Um, and, uh, Legendary just fires them. They say, we do not like what we're seeing. We do not like this. Please go away. And And then they tear up the IMDb trivia board. Yes. But like, that's the thing. Were were they wrong? Were they wrong? I mean, who knows what their take was. (laughs) Are Andy and Ryan Toehill, the Phil Lord and Chris Miller, to David Blue Garcia's Ron Howard? In this Damn, that's mean to Ron Howard. I don't even like that movie. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Ron Howard. You're lovely. Your daughter directs Star Wars better than you do, though, I've heard. Um, but yeah. So then they hired David Blue Garcia, who is a uh he did a film called Killing Ground that was if I'm oh god, I don't I think Shudder might have released it. I'm not hundred percent sure. But I heard it was pretty good. It got pretty good reviews. And um I mean, it just, they, they get through production. It's so troubled. I mean, just troubled from the absolute start. And um, it should have been a red flag number one when Warner Brothers, who is Legendary Pictures' first look deal, mm. like studio, says, nah, no, pass. No, hard pass. Like, we're good. And le- it's just out there as a legendary movie, which I'm like, 
that never happens. Either like Legendary is actively working with another studio, which they have agreed with Warner Brothers to do so, or Warner Brothers is taking it on. If and it's considering just out- all the like James Wan and Conjuring stuff that Warner Brothers puts yes, out, like they put know it out how under to the New Line brand. Put, horror, bring it, yeah, bring it home to New Line. That's not wouldn't be the first time that uh, Legendary has made a film with that studio. So like, what's the tea? And then the test screenings happen, and they just horrid. They're just terrible. And then, like, Fede Alvarez says they re- re-edited a lot of the film and that it's in a better shape now and it's getting better test screenings. And I'm like, fucking sure. Sure, dude. I guarantee... Yeah, you probably also said that about Don't Breathe too. and look where that ended up. Um, and I say that as someone who really likes Fede Alvarez as a director, but God damn it, you need to pick better projects. Uh, and then it gets sold to Netflix, which... I don't think is necessarily a red flag. It, again, not the first movie Legendary's done with Netflix. They've done like Enola Holmes, and that's a, that was a big like success. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the trailer gets released, and I'm like, "Wow, this looks a lot like Halloween 2018." And I'm like, "Okay, that's fine. <laughs> like, that's okay. I guess I get it. We're following trends. It's okay." I'm like, "Elsie Fisher's in it. Why would she choose this as her like?" first project post eighth grade if it weren't like a banger like jacob Lattimore, alice Krieger, they're bringing back sally hardesty um so then i get a screener for it and i'm just like you know what i'm gonna give this thing a chance i'm gonna like i'm very open-minded with horror movies i really enjoyed halloween kills everyone can eat my ass on that i know we we talked about it people can go back and listen to that episode five minutes of just i was baffled baffled at that's, how that's why i don't know movie. how to tackle this is there's there's it's such a discombobulated mess of just bad ideas when that i tell I don't... people about this movie because i've talked to a lot of people about this movie i'm just like where do i start do i start with the fact that it's positioning itself as another true sequel when another movie has already done that that's like if if after this halloween series is over someone does a new one without jamie lee curtis and it's like no this is the true halloween sequel and it's called like the halloween or something or like you don't know like something where it's like bitch come on so then okay number two um does does david gordon green and danny mcbride have some lawyers they can call because uh, i'm I'm saying like that, that was my first reaction was like um and like this is a bit like suspicious coming this close after the those most recent Halloween movies. Yeah. Also, Owen Foray, who plays Sally Hardesty, I love. She's been in other horror films before. Wonderful Irish actress. And I was like, girl, I get it. It's a it's a franchise, but you could do better than this. Everyone in this movie I think can it do also better just than this. Mis- and that's not saying much. Yeah. I think it also just misunderstands like that character the the quote-unquote final girl in texas chainsaw has there's not the same sort of like trauma of relationship and drama as like jamie lee curtis and michael myers in no. halloween like like it's it's trying to forge this more like this is like decades long relationship of these two people facing off in the she movies. Spent her whole that's life like, hunting for him. Okay, let's right. make a movie about that. That sounds more fucking interesting than these assholes. Right. And then, okay, so then we go into this whole, like, the whole thing is like this big, 
comment on gentrification, which like, okay, a topical horror movie. That's not out of the question. But um, we already have had a horror reboot about gentrification recently. And sure, maybe they weren't shot oh, at the same right. time. Maybe it wasn't all that. But Candyman was already out. And, yeah. you know, again, it's not Candyman's fault. It's not Texas Chainsaw's fault. But unfortunately, we're talking about two movies that are inevitably going to be compared. And when it comes down to it, I would say the number one thing most people complained about the new Candyman is that it's like comment on gentrification was kind of hollow this makes Candyman look like a fucking doctoral dissertation oh yeah i'm literally like nia DaCosta and like jordan peele are scholars compared to what they're trying to say about this it's just it is just like look at these asshole gen z motherfuckers look at these kids don't you want to see them get blown up by a chainsaw don't you want to see them die and it's like i get that i get it I get that we want to create these kind of unlikable stakes where it's like we want to see these people get massacred. We're watching a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Why would we not want to see that? But you have to also have stakes of like, without that, it's not scary. It's just un not even unnecessarily gory. It's just obnoxiously gory of like, mm -hmm. what are we fighting for here? Who are we trying to save here? Who are we really going out of our way to root for? Because no one in this movie is really worth rooting for. The only person I would argue is Elsie Fisher's character, but they don't give her anything to do. So it's kind of like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And I, I just think like the biggest problem with this movie to me to kind of like the, the simplest explanation I could give is it wants to be both this like snarky kind of satirical movie that's just like oh ha 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 you know all those like annoying gen z youtubers yeah. well we're gonna make a movie where leatherface just splatters their guts yeah. all over the screen but, but also, then it like, also let's a bring comment out Jamie on Lee trauma yes yeah, a comment on trauma trauma of like of like i've waited 50 years for this night and for Elsie what Fisher, night for this bullshit yeah and elsie fisher being the survivor of, of a, a school, school shooting shooting a they have columbined Texas Chainsaw of she has like to overcome her fear of guns to learn how to use a gun I, to go after Leatherface. When I tell you, my jaw dropped. I was like, "This is disgusting. This is it's pretty crass. It's yeah. pretty." I was like, "This is offensive," and I don't really like. Listen, I, I am as much of a social justice warrior as everyone else. I get it, like, right on. But also, there's part of me that when I'm watching a horror movie, I don't really care that much about shit like that. I was like, God damn it. Y'all have vastly misunderstood your audience here. And on top of that, I don't understand. I, I don't get why so many people who, have tr who are trying to make Texas Chainsaw films think that Leatherface is the only part of the story that's scary. Yeah, he's, that is yes, kind of strange. Yes, he's the one with the chainsaw. But the rest of that family is also terrifying. It's so the community around it that is yes. like the scariest bits. Like even the the even Texas the Chainsaw three D understood that more. Yeah, than like this. the remake. I would say Arlie or Ermy is 
like the scariest thing when I yes. watched the, the well, remake. Well, that's not hard for him nights. to be. He just yes. fri- he's frightening a general. Rest in peace. So he was yeah. Like, but uh, but like even like even Texas Chainsaw 3D understood that that the town around them is enabling them, but also kind of hates them at the same time, but is scared of them. It's this whole thing that actually like adds a separate dynamic to the whole thing. Is it stupid? Yes. Does it? add a layer of depth that wouldn't be there before if they only took it as just a this like inbred boy who like was just raised and groomed by this really horrid family and in turn became horrid himself because like obviously that's how nature versus nurture works and shit like that that's an that's an interesting take but like when it's just like when it's just he is a a a faceless soulless blob that carries a chainsaw that's not scary to me and like Mm. you have to have like a little bit of extra bit there and that's what the family's for that's what like that's what the the environment is for when it's just in the town and it just takes place within like one street and one like (laughs) building and kind of in a van and also a bus when it's just like four sets i'm like i don't get this I think so much of Texas Chainsaw is, is is rooted in the nastiness of it all. It's not mm-hmm. just that he's chasing you with a chainsaw. It's not just that you're covered in blood. It's not just that it's gory. It's that it's nasty. You feel dirty. Yeah. You want to th- shower. This movie's and like got a gloss that. to it. That yes, it's a nasty. glossiness to its like yeah. aesthetics that is just sort of feels totally yeah. off. And it's for not this, a Netflix. Like series. Netflix didn't produce this, but it feel so right that it's on netflix Mm -hmm. i'm just like this is a netflix movie through and through and it's just not it it is just horrid in every way and i just don't understand how it passed so many barriers and went through so many talented producers do you think there is a larger studio drop in quality from dune to this and they're about to go back to dune like how How did this pass through anything? It is 75 minutes long and it feels four hours long. And like, I don't think there is not a kill in this movie that I found to be particularly impactful. Maybe the first one, the arm, that was kind of cool, baby. Sure. I was like, sure. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but everything else, I'm just like, okay, cool. He doesn't pick up the chainsaw until two thirds of the way through this movie. It is the Texas Glass Shard Massacre for about, like, 50 minutes of this movie. And I just, like, I don't... It's just a disgusting kind of boil of a movie that is, I hated like, it. I yeah, hated every it's... fucking second of it. You want to know what the only thing about this movie I liked is? The end credits. The end credits were sick. Those were cool. If you... I think, if, I, think I shut it off before... I like I, Well, as soon weird. as it went to, like, the, the VHS kind of... It's it's a very good credit sequence. It's okay. honestly worth watching. If if you take anything from this, it's that you should go on Netflix, you should click on it, and you should fast-forward to 75 minutes into the movie, because that's pretty cool. It's got a cool end credit sequence. It's very reminiscent of Evil Dead, because obviously Fede Alvarez directed it. It's another horror remake. It's really cool. It's, like, very, very well made. Everything else, it's just shit shit shitty shit and i don't like saying that about movies i like having nuanced conversations about what worked and what didn't but it's rare occasions where i'm just like no ever you just see something that's just like an utter train wreck of, just, of everything awfulness. start to finish i'm just like 
I can't imagine that anything in terms of the production of this movie went right. No. Ever. Like, I don't, I don't think there was ever a moment outside of like, maybe like initial casting. Cause like, you know, like obviously Elsie Fisher and, and Jacob Lattimore and Alice Krieger and Nolan Floyd, they're all talented people. But like there, I think at that point, it was just like, well, we're making a Texas Chainsaw movie. Obviously, people are going to see it because it has the name. So why give a fuck about anything else? And it's just, it, it shouldn't be this hard. It's a pretty simple concept, I think. And I think it's a pretty easy thing to pull off to the point that, like, you look at something like Resident Evil 7, which is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful video game that taps into that nastiness that makes Texas Chainsaw so nice. Or, like, so, mm-hmm. not nice, but, like, just sick. And but also like not being Texas Chainsaw, and I think it inhibits or like it exhibits that spirit so much more than anything bearing the Texas Chainsaw name has of of, of recent years. And I just like on one hand, I want someone to do something good with this series, but on the other hand, it's time to let it die because at this point, no one can do anything with it because I don't think anyone cares to. Yeah, it just sort of seems like I think to kind of wrap this one up and throw it in the trash it, it just sort of seems like a million like... things based on it we can do a million things inspired by it but at this point things like x or you know games like resident evil 7 are just gonna or like that great x files episode oh that, that, like, that just came to mind is like that's one of my favorite x file episodes and it's like that might be the best of anyone yeah. kind of like recapturing the vibe that inbred of... hick nasty like yeah <laughs> like oh mom under the bed <laughs> <laughs> Oh god, yeah. I remember watching that because I was like, "Bitch, this one's TVMA and it's on Sci-Fi." Yeah, that's what? the one they like never re-aired, and like yeah. I, I think it's easier to find now because all that oh, stuff's it's on Hulu. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a but, fa- oh god, probably yeah. If I mean, if there's one X Files episode, there's a few odd list, but like that is just home is next level. But yeah, it's just I don't know. It just Everything... sort of seems like it's it's a series that the the first one is like you mentioned, it's this like perfect lightning in a bottle and people attempting to because it is this iconic movie recapture that lightning in a bottle and or feeling like all right, this is a valuable property, we need to do something with it, but no one it seems throughout the decades since has figured out a way of like well what more can we do with this or how can we recapture this and so it just sort of seems like a franchise that's just every every few years it hops to a different studio and then they like shoot themselves in the foot trying to recapture something you could probably never recapture yeah i think new line cinema i think the remake i think the remake like series if you can call it that because it's two movies i think that's the most successful it ever got and even then they're not masterpieces by any stretch of the imagination so like I don't know. I think everyone who has been inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and their other original works since the Texas Chainsaw Massacre have pretty much been more successful than most, if not all, of the of the sequels since. Yeah. And maybe that's just how it needs to be. Not everything has to be the franchise. That has to be the name. It can be the essence of it because i would i want to feel that essence as opposed to just having the name of texas chainsaw massacre because obviously at this point it's not doing shit for me at least and i mean that's the thing there's a discourse online with horror fans right now me and adam frazier are like having strokes about it and are like dms because people are just like everyone's just like well not everyone but there's just this like contingency of people like me and adam who are like this movie shit what the fuck are you guys talking about and on the other hand it's people who are like 
oh my god it was super fun i had to like 10 tons of fun with it i don't know what you guys are talking about i'm like um excuse me i'm not even i'm not even precious about texas chainsaw massacre but even i was offended by how they treated sally hardesty i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm like no i just don't i don't get how so many like proclaimed horror fans are looking at this and being like well it wasn't that bad to me i'm like then you need to watch i don't know maybe you just need to watch more movies that sounds so condescending god i don't know i don't know why that just came out of my mouth but like it's just one of these moments where i'm i i I feel like this feels objective Mm -hmm. films are subjective like opinions are subjective except when it comes to texas chainsaw massacre 2022 i won't accept any other opinions on the matter well, let's let's maybe transition and kind of wrap up with something I think we both, you know, thought was a, a fun little thriller, which is oh, Kimmy, is Kimmy yeah. I is, really uh, enjoyed this. Steven Soderbergh's movie on H, the latest in his HBO Max deal that has previously included. Uh, I now I can't even remember the name of it. Let Them Let All Talk to the Meryl Streep one, and then No, no Sudden, Sudden Move, Move which is the. Oh, yeah, it's been a good run. I think yeah. this. I think he finally. I mean, remember when he had his own distribution company for a minute? Yeah, just for fingerprint releasing, man. Kind but, of a failed uh, experiment, but yeah. I mean, I think Unsane kind of like that was like a cool. That was a really cool experiment, but like no one, they wasn't. Well, no one it, saw it, Logan it, Lucky either. No, it. I think Soderbergh is a director that really thrives off of streaming, but not mm-hmm. like. I mean, he's obviously had stuff on Netflix. He did High Flying Bird, which was good, but he also did The Laundromat, which was not good. And like, oh yeah. So like, I think HBO Max kind of believes in his vision a little bit more in terms of like letting Soderbergh be Soderbergh. Just saying, and like, it seems he's like he's all... he's carved out this lane. We kind of talked about it last year when No Sun Move came out. I think it was like Jake Triple and I talked about like he's kind of carved out this lane now of like no one's making mid-tier move like mid-budget movies for adults yeah. anymore so i've been in this industry long enough that like we'll He's put it on a streaming every genre service of them at this point yeah i'll i'll prove that we can do this stuff and we can do it cheap and have it be as like fun and enjoyable yeah. as those movies would normally be but i'm gonna find the way to for us to like if if the hollywood system won't go out of their way to make those movies anymore he seems like he's i'm gonna use my creativity and my cachet to make these movies but do the kind of like fast and loose version of them that yeah and like that's that's what i really respect about it because like especially even just within his hbo max run we've kind of seen a lot of the facets of Soderbergh as a director, we have seen Let Them All Talk, which is the lighthearted kind of adult comedy. Mm-hmm. And like, it has the dramatic elements too. And it's got a little bit of like romance in there. It's, a, it's just kind of got that like light and airy vibe to it that I think Soderbergh so does. It's really a hangout well. movie. It yeah. is. It's kind of, yeah. And then you have No Sudden Move, which is like the more elevated kind of cinematic piece. That's a little bit more reminiscent of something like the Oceans movies. Or yeah. Even like fun star-studded heist movie, essentially. Yeah. And then Kimmy, I think, is more along the lines of something like even like Unsane, where it's, it is mm-hmm. tight. It is very, very thrilling. And it's, and it's a little like, it's rough around the edges. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not pretty. It doesn't wrap everything up in a, well, it does wrap everything up in a bow story wise, but it's not like, it's not super polished and it feels really kind of like, 
I guess cinema verite or just a little like gorilla. It, it, it feels yeah. very gorilla filmmaking, that's, and I that's appreciate very, that's that. That's perfect. Yeah, it feels also like I'm like a movie that is. I'm just gonna get something made during COVID, and what's a? How can I do a fun thriller? Yeah, but do it within. How can I design a fun thriller around the parameters of like what we can accomplish with yeah. like COVID restrictions? Yeah. And comes up with like a, I think a fairly solid like yeah. rear window esque. It's basically a rear window, but what if it was you know Alexa, Alexa like recorded something instead of you know you spying on your neighbors across yeah. the. Which she still does, also. Yes, she still. But like, that's kind of the red herring of it all. Yeah, (laughs) Like, I just think it's one of the. It's one of the few. There's a lot of red flags in this movie that I feel like any other filmmaker. I feel like I'd be like, no, bye, I can't. Mm -hmm. But like COVID, whenever anyone brings that up in a movie, I'm like, shut up, shut up, (laughs) shut up. I'm done with it. I don't want to think about it when I watch a movie. This does it well because it talks about it, it incorporates it, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. It's just like, yeah, this is our new reality. And we have like. It's not about COVID. No, but it's about how we have handled living in the way that we have now, particularly Mm -hmm. with young people living alone in these like very like kind of isolated apartments. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, okay, cool. Well, let's talk about something like Alexa, but make it obviously like not Alexa. And then I'm like, well, great. This is going to be this like tech phobic, like, oh, tech is all out to get us. Like they're all trying to spy on us and stuff. And on one hand, it does kind of make that point where it's like, yeah, they are listening, but also it's less about necessarily the the tech itself and more about what people are doing with it and the type of people who have the control over it mm-hmm. of like the people at the helm of Kimmy are like not are trying to cover this bad thing up while Zoe Kravitz who's a lower worker in it is trying to like do something good with it and it's kind of and it's it's utilizing tech in an interesting way where it's being used both as like a bad thing and a good thing and i think that balance is really nice because as we move forward in a really tech forward world like i don't know there's a lot of filmmakers who i think are just like i who give off very like i still have a flip phone vibes and i don't feel that with soderbergh i think soderbergh has an iphone but i know he does because he shot a few movies on iphone this one i wouldn't be surprised it seems like there's lots of this movie that's it shot with was an iPhone. not it wasn't i looked okay. it up because when i first saw the trailer i was like this looks like this looks like unsane this looks a little bit kind of like a little like high flying bird where mm-hmm. it had that again that gorilla style filmmaking it was shot if i'm correct with a like a dslr or like a, okay. a small camera but a, a professional but, but still a camera. testament to his kind of like inventiveness of just like yeah. no i'll just like the camera on your phone is good enough for like i can go down to the target and get like yeah. a really good camera yeah. and like it's very it, 70s feeling yeah and him just being like he seems someone who there's there's always that annoy i find them sometimes annoying even though like i think they're meant to be inspiring but those like just like yeah just just go out and make a movie like anyone can go out and make a movie like he he is living up to that principle of just being like because he doesn't have to yeah he can make a huge blockbuster i'm sure if he presents it in the right way like anyone will fund us like a a a soderbergh movie everyone i mean who doesn't love soderbergh honestly right but now he gets to be like i'm i'm gonna i need to show you world that like you can just go out and make like a cool thriller like this and it is not going to cost a lot of money and you can do it around and still, you know, one city, fit the COVID you know? restrictions. Yeah. You have like one or two sets 
like a very small collection of actors even a lot of them talking to each other through zooms and stuff which like i just kept thinking about all the other quote-unquote like quarantine movies that i've seen in the last year like there's that the worst one is that michael bay produced one i didn't watch it i fucking refused i was like like covid 23 yeah you can tell that movie is just sort of like so boring in that you you can tell that no actor is in the same space yeah at all like even even when there's sort of like dialogue scenes between people who are supposed to be in the same space you could tell those people are not in the same space i mean and like everyone's COVID stuff was happened shot and michael bay said major bag alert he's like yeah. i'm getting in on this before anyone else does even if it's shit and guess what i've heard it was right so this is almost like the better version of that there was that other HBO Max one, the Doug Wyman one. The, oh, the- yeah. That that one's bad, if only because that's one where that, that feels like the Imagine video. It's a lot of like, yes. it feels like a lot of celebrities being, it's it's Chiwetel Ejiofor and Anne Hathaway being like, man, it really stinks being locked up in this house. And it's like, you're in a four-story townhome town in the heart in of London. London. Yeah. <laughs> And like, don't and talk I kinda, to me about being claustrophobic. I must say, and there's like a part of me too. When Kimmy first started, I was like, "You are a tech worker in Seattle, living in this beautiful like warehouse apartment." And Incredible then obviously, apartment. and then you, yeah, it's a great. I mean, again, very rear window, and that like that tight setting is so integral to the whole experience. But it also helps that Zoe Kravitz brings so much to this she is very i love her so much the more i talk about this the more i think this might actually be a higher score than what i gave it initially this is kind of a lit movie it's also the first uh it's also i think the first movie written by david kep um in like the past 15 years that i've watched yeah it's like like his it's like his first it's like his first good movie since like war of the worlds yeah david like if people don't know who david kep is is like wrote jurassic park first he he wrote like a bunch of movies for spielberg like war of yeah. the worlds jurassic mission park. impossible I mean, yeah, spider-man he, yeah but has has hit some um clunkers i'd say in probably the past 17 years um mm-hmm. so you know you have like um he directed mordecai um oh, he did man. um he wrote all of the um all of the po- all of the um da vinci code movies after the first one which like mm. n- none of them were good that jack ryan thing he wrote the mummy the tom cruise one and then he directed a movie last year that one with um with um kevin bacon and amanda seyfried in it which in turn is just a really cheap rip off of house of leaves which um mark daniel zuski who wrote house of leaves sued him for and actually won um, which that is also the movie that makes us try to believe that Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried are a married couple. Um, so that's also. <sighs> oh, he he wrote Panic Room too, which like that seems great, like great the closest thriller. thing yeah. to to this of like yeah, it's it's another like tight, efficient thriller in a very confined space. Yeah, so this is really like his best work in a long time. I think this is a great soft launch of Zoe Kravitz into the Warner Brothers sphere, kind of leading up to uh, Batman. Yeah. And uh, and also, uh, very underrated, very brief performance, but Rita Wilson in this, too. Great. Oh, yeah, she's fun! She's yeah. t- kind of terrifying in this, because I'm like, I know every fucking, like, 
she's not HR, but I know every HR person in the world that's like this. But also at the same time, I'm very good friends with my HR person at work. So Janet, I'm very sorry. I do love you. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think it is, it, it doesn't try to be anything that it's not. It's a tight 89 minutes that is both thrilling and interesting. It's not, it's just very self-contained. It's not up its own ass, which like, Sometimes Soderbergh can be a little bit, depending on who's yeah, writing for him. I, I went and revisited some of the Soderbergh movies recently that like I had not seen, which were yeah. a lot of the the more kind of like experimental sort of ones like The Girlfriend Experience or Bubble or um Full Frontal, where yeah. it, you could clearly see that he was like it seems like he picks projects for to sort of like test and experiment stuff out and those are and ones where maybe that, like but right where where you're like okay i kind of see where you're going at or like you wanted to work with like non-actors and kind of build a movie around them or da 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 but like but the, you make a three lot of, movies a year so it's fine we'll move past this right right some of the ones that i like had not seen before the experiments where it's like mm, i see where you're going but this also like doesn't this doesn't really work and is not uh leatherface is coming to get you hunter's lights are like flashing on yeah on what just off. happened did my power just uh, i mean the computer's still on the computer's still maybe you just have a bad bulb it's kimmy she heard it me. is kimmy <laughs> kimmy turn the lights out um also great third act to kimmy too great i mean just the i mean once she i mean spoiler once she leaves her apartment the way that mm. it's shot and everything that like weird kind of like blurry just like like frenetic camera work i mean mm -hmm. that peter andrews man and marianne bernard that wonderful editor they do good uh, work with soderbergh yeah it's a wonder they don't walk the red carpet with them ever huh um <laughs> yeah uh i mean just i had 10 tons of fun with this movie i think it's a yeah. really uh, effective thriller i think it's something like i think it i also think the covid elements of this movie as well are kind of soderbergh's way of saying sorry about contagion like oh it's kind of like <laughs> hey i know i said it was gonna be this way and it wasn't so let's um, or it's or weird that the thing in that movie like hindsight watching it that was like oh so this was the like over the top exaggerated thing was at the very end when everyone's like great can't wait to get vaccinated yeah now. exactly <laughs> like, that was the thing every every other crazy thing that happens in that movie like happened in real yeah. life in the last but yeah years. i enjoyed it it's a good thriller and i think it has uh it, it exists in the covid world i think more successfully than any other movie that's tried to at this point and i also think it kind of takes a good like kind of middle ground on on the world of tech of like it can be dangerous but it can also be like a real benefit to people's lives as well and um I think, like, in a world of all of these, of, of a lot of people doing these, like, yeah, technology movies, I think utilizing it in a way that isn't like that, but also at the same time is very intelligent and and just uh, kind of with a breakneck pace to it. Like, mm -hmm. who who doesn't like a movie like that? Well... I think that's that's a recommendation for us too. If you want, uh, I call them weeknight movies, like if under ninety minute movies. Like watch this, not the Texas cha movie? Chainsaw movie. Period. Fire up Kimmy. Um, exactly. Before, before I let you go, I did want to felt like I needed to uh, at least mention having seen Marry Me, the 
Oh yeah. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, uh rom-com. What's what's do you have any just like questions in general about what the experience of this movie is? I would I would say I I don't have any like harsh daggers against it while it didn't work for me and there're just some things in it that I, I was like I think that's where oh. most people are falling, right? They're just kind of like it's a rom-com and Jennifer Lopez is good at rom-coms, but it is a rom-com. And like that's not like not in a not in a derogatory sense we're not talking no. you know Catherine Heigl or anything like that um you know but like I love just... her and love Owen Wilson my problem with the movie is they don't have any chemistry together. I don't yeah I never believed that in the first place I was just like I get that that's kind of like the gag at first of like yeah you know I'll marry you but like I feel like you kind of have to go with that. And even in the trailers, when they started getting to like, you know, the fun frisky rom-com mm-hmm. of it all, I was like, I don't know if I believe this. And maybe, I, it, maybe it changes in the movie. Who knows? I didn't no. watch it. I know it's on Peacock, but yeah, I don't know. It, I, I never, I, it's weird I never that it. I never quite buy what, what he's into in the movie. Like I, I buy her attraction to him in the movie but his, I know that sounds crazy because it's yeah. sort of like, how could you not be attracted to Jennifer Lopez? Jennifer Lopez, I, when you're, I mean, granted, Owen Wilson's not ugly. He's not a bad looking guy. He's but a like, good guy. Compared to where Owen Wilson stacks on the, the, the scale of men versus where Jennifer Lopez stacks in the scale of women, it's yes. not congruent. I, I buy what her character is attracted to in him, but the entire time I was watching it, I was like, I don't quite understand like why he's hanging around. He just, he seems to be more she seems to be falling in love with him and he seems to be more kind of like this woman seems like she's having a midlife crisis i need to just kind of just stick around and like go with the flow i I like that i just did the airport's midlife crisis and then i forgot jennifer lopez is 52 is she 52 she's 53 i was about to say i was like i literally made the joke of that and i'm like oh wait no she actually like she's just uh, just ephemeral just i mean it's just a movie that like on paper i celebrate what it is i think hollywood should make more romantic comedies you know it is a mainstream studio romantic comedy with two middle-aged stars huge and And i mean like huge stars in in their own respective senses i mean jennifer lopez is obviously jennifer lopez but like Mm -hmm. you know i don't know maybe i'll watch it one day with like i have a friend one of my best friends we are rom-com buddies we watch all of those like movies but i just don't i don't i I don't find myself attracted to them on the surface i obviously i mean maybe i should be because obviously all the horror movies i'm watching i'm watching texas chainsaw and like obviously that's not going too well for me right now so listen i'm seeing the curse tomorrow which finally it's good i heard too i mean i hate the new title of it and i don't know I mean, it searched for distribution for a year and then LD Entertainment, the production company, was just like, we'll do it ourselves. I'm like, why didn't you do that from the start? Regardless, no, neither here nor there. Oh, oh, uh, two, two, two weird things I just have to prepare you for in Married Me. The first is there. there's a lot of um, NBC Universal cross-promotion in it, like Jimmy you gotta get, Fa- you gotta get. Can you say this? Is this a conflict of interest? Oh, that is true. I do kind of work for NBC Station. <laughs> yeah. Um, Regardless, listen, I love Peacock. I watch the Olympics on Peacock. That's that's what I had to do because um, I don't I have mean, cable. Did, weren't a lot? Wasn't a lot of the intro of the movie just like 
archive footage from Jennifer Lopez's career. Yes, and a lot That's of archive smart. footage of the run up to when her and Aaron Rodgers were going were like engaged or were Did like Did they just deep fake Maluma's <laughs> face onto it? No, no, no. It's like oh, okay. just her, but like oh, okay. we're reusing a lot of those like Today Show clips and there's a there's a lot of like Jimmy Fallon could be a third lead in this movie. There's a lot of just like we're going to cut to like a segment from the tonight show of jimmy fallon commenting on what's going on in the movie and why would you want to pay for anything else (laughs) listen if you're if you're universal why would you pay to put why would you pay cbs for the rights to put stephen colbert on there when you can get jimmy fallon to do it for free at gunpoint it just seemed to be a lot of like there's a lot of news archival footage that's just like hey did you know that e is also available and did you know that the tonight show with jimmy fallon is on at this hour and he interviews celebrities <laughs> i mean listen i would rather have that kind of shared universe than whatever everyone's trying to build with their like extended universes at this point i'll take i will take the nbc you'll take the U- actual nbc i will take universe. the nbc i will take the universal universe the nbc ueu uh-huh. uh, last thing is this is a movie that there's there's way more math than i was expecting there's a lot of the mo- like excuse me <laughs> like Owen Wilson is a math teacher and there's a very large chunk of the movie like a good third of the movie is like is this hidden figures <laughs> like is a good third of the movie's drama is like how is the math club going to do at like math decathlon and is the whole climax of the movie is go- like centers around like is JLo going to get to the math competition to help this cheer on girls, the math okay. kids and stuff like that I and see. she has to teach them math there's just a lot of like how do we teach the kids math and how are they going to do like Jennifer the- Lopez's Darren Aronofsky's pie like right, just... right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. So oh. just, just be aware that was kind of my first thought. Like after I finished it, it, was like way more math in that movie than I was expecting, and way more emphasis put on like how is the math club going to do in competition this week? And that seems to be where a lot of the movie's drama is centered around. I mean, listen, as someone who constantly had to live in fear of barely passing every math class i ever took i get that build suspense with it throw in some numbers and i immediately am scared maybe all you needed to do is have jennifer lopez teach you a dance routine because that's that's what helps the kids in the movie i have a feeling i would not be able to keep up with that because i also was in high school chorus at the same time i was in those uh math classes and i struggled at both well, Hunter, thank you for for stopping by this week. I hope we gave you a good platform to air air out your grievances. On I was Texas like, sorry Chainsaw for cursing so much. Franchise. I was so angry. I'm so mad at this movie. But like, here, okay, here's the thing. Here's what I suggest for Texas Chainsaw Massacre: get on the Netflix YouTube page. There is a uh, there is a series on the Netflix YouTube page called "I Like to Watch," which is uh, two drag queens, Trixie Mattel and Katya Zamolochkova, who watch Netflix stuff and comment on it. And they don't mind like it, they're being paid by Netflix. It's on the Netflix site or like on the Netflix YouTube page, but they'll fully watch something and it they'll be like, "This is shit. This sucks." Like it's so weird. It's like a weird like anti marketing thing. That twenty minutes of watching them watch texas chainsaw massacre is more fun than the actual movie so if you need to know what happens in this movie if you want to see what it's all about go watch these two drag queens tear it apart because it's very funny 
Well, after you've done that, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the latest Absolutely. because uh, I don't know what we're going to do next week, but you know, I'm I'm seeing a little movie on on Thursday, and it's we're gonna plan a big episode around it because it's one of the biggest movies of the year. And if you exist in the universe, I'm sure you already know what it is because it's being advertised on every street corner in America. So look look forward to a Batman episode coming up. Oh, yeah. that's what you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking. I thought you were gonna see Dog this week. No, I might. Well, I've heard it's good. I've heard I've it's heard actually it's not good. bad. I mean, I do appreciate. I have to. I have to respect. I have to respect any marketing campaign that at the end of the TV spot it says the dog doesn't die. 